Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is brought to you by TeamTrade, a digital solution that helps you hire, optimize, and retain employees. Using psychometric assessments to identify more than 100 professional mindset traits, it gives instant reports you can use to build high-performing teams. Get two free profiles today, no commitment, no credit card required, at teamtrait.com. Team, T-R-A-I-T Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. You know, Lee, our guest today, she says leaders deserve better in terms of a leadership development pipeline. I can't say that I disagree. Yeah, that's, and, and that goes all the way down to management. Even the frontline management is, is one of the areas that a lot of companies are really lacking. But when we're talking about leadership, you know, uh, you know especially in the, in the advent of social media and thought leadership and everything like that, you know, you know thinking about uh, that the number one job, the number one goal of a leader is not to create more followers, but it's to create more leaders. And I hope that's what we're going to be talking about today. I can't wait to talk to Jennifer Mackin. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me to talk about this important topic. Yeah, I was just going to say for the, I just wanted to say hi before I tell everybody about how wonderful you are. Hello. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Jennifer Hello. Mackin is a Forbes book author of Leaders Deserve Better, a Leadership Development Revolution. What is the revolution? I want to know. And leader of two consulting firms, CEO of Oliver Group Inc. and president and partner of Leadership Pipeline Institute US. So what is this revolution of which you speak? Oh, I'm telling you, there needs to be some change within the leadership space. And, you know, billions, over 500 billion um, is spent a year on development. And yet 50% of senior leaders would say, my leaders aren't ready. The development we're doing today isn't preparing them for what we need for the future. So we need to make a change. And it's really less around what we're teaching them and more really around the senior leaders being aligned and involved in how people and leaders are developed because we don't have this link between the strategy of the business and the people plan for the business. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about getting them aligned as well as changing some of how we're delivering it uh, as well. But that's really the biggest thing is we need to be developing leaders in a way that's beneficial for the organization, what they need them to be ready for. We speak so much in, in this show. By the way, I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the CEO and president of, of Sales Fuel. And Audrey, you are... Oh, I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications of Sales Fuel. Okay, We, we talk a lot on this show <laughs> about three things. We talk about people... Uh, progress and process. And it seems to me that a lot of managers who don't have and, and leaders who don't get the proper training tend to focus a lot on progress, you know, getting things done, checking things off the checklist and like that. Some will even spend more time 
in in the process, thinking about the strategy and and, and procedures and things like like that. But it really takes, I think, then a, a great focus on all three things. What's your take on that, Jennifer? I do. I think it does, and I think we spend so much time on the functional parts of our jobs as leaders. So, you know, the accounting side or the marketing side or the operations side and learning how to be really good in those areas and jumping in when we need to, to get certain results. Instead, what if we had every leader say, number one job is to prepare my people to be better. Maybe it's preparing leaders, maybe it's preparing great specialists within the organization. But if that's our number one job, we'll spend less time maybe on the process and the progress, as you say, and more about how do I help the rest of my team be more effective? Put away your cape. You don't have to be a superhero and, and jump in and, and solve right. every woman from the burning building and, and every, every fire or anything like that. <laughs> Train your people right. to do that, right? Right. If you feel like you have to jump in like that, then you probably haven't done your leadership job. Because if, if I am dependent on all of my people to, you know, or I'm dependent to jump in and save, <clears throat> then they're not ready. So you said at the top, the first thing you said was, it doesn't work the way it worked in the 60s. Something's got to change and something's missing. So what exactly are you saying is missing? Other than the cross-generational problem of the get off my lawn thing, which <laughs> Lee and I have been talking get about a lot lawn. lately. Get <laughs> off my lawn. These little young people, they don't understand. Uh, right. right, so what's missing is four things. Usually you want to stick with three, but I've got four. Five, so the if, first... you count, five <laughs> if you count, stop bitching about millennials. Okay. <laughs> right. Yes, I would agree with you on that. It, and every time there's a new generation discussed, it, the last one before them is bitching about them. So. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So the four things, one that I mentioned is the strategy being connected to the business strategy. Okay. Um, the people strategy and the business strategy. Secondly, leaders have to be responsible and drive the development. And that's a cultural thing that, that is not easy. So what I'm suggesting is not easy either, but having leaders driving the development, not expecting that they send people away to a class here and there and that that's going to work and they're going to be Fashion able to come school. back. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be able to come back and just you don't do those things. So then it goes to my third thing, which is about reinforcement and practice. We don't give a lot of time anymore. We don't have a lot of time to ramp up with new things we're learning. So how do we make sure when we are learning the aspects of how to you know, manage performance, how to deal with conflict with my team, any of those topics, how do we make sure that whatever we learned of how to approach that in the best way gets adopted when we come back? And then I really believe we've got to get leaders together face-to-face -face ideally, and this is the only way right now we've got face-to-face -face, um, in some cases, but we have to have leaders learn from each other, with each other, where they can be vulnerable, where they can share ideas. Um, and those are the four things that I think are missing. What are the most important traits and core characteristics of a leader today? Now, I think that's all over the board. I've never been able to just say, this is it. Now, I think it depends by level. So if you're talking about the top of the organization, I would say it's about creating the vision and the plan and getting people really able to connect in and passionate about that. But then if you're a frontline leader, what makes you really good is the ability to get others to learn what you know. 
you know, transfer some of that knowledge to people, um, help encourage and coach on a daily basis. And that takes certain types of leadership skills. So I think that's a very hard question to answer. And most books that I've read on leadership, because when I looked at writing a book, I thought, what has not been said mm -hmm, already, mm -hmm. you know, because there's so much out there. And a lot of it is about the things you're talking about, how to be a really good leader. What are the characteristics? How do you, how do you communicate differently or whatever those things are? I asked that question because everyone's got a different take on it. Yeah. You know, first of all, people have different takes on what leadership is and, and then the characteristics of a good leader. But I would say the common thread that connects all those things is clarity of message. That's just mm. my opinion. I love that. I love that. And you guys are communication specialists in a lot of ways. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's clarity of message and getting everyone on board and saying, here's my piece in that so yeah. that I can see how do I play a role in getting us there? Because if I can't see that, then I'm not going to be contributing. I have a pipeline chicken or egg question that I'd like to ask. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Unless I'm a family business and I'm planning a succession plan, how far back should the pipeline go for developing young leaders? Like what age in my pool of employees do I go and start to develop people? And the reason I ask that is if they're, it's not a family business and I don't have a family succession, I might say, well, I don't want to go back to a 25-year-old and start mentoring them because they're just going to leave me and go somewhere mm. else and take all that with them. But the flip side is, the egg is, if I start mentoring them they will and developing them, they will never leave me. Which is it? It's absolutely the piece of we have to be developing from day one when they come into our organization okay. or we're not going to even attract the right people because they're going to know that this organization doesn't develop me. I'm going to come and it'll be a stepping stone to the next thing that I do. So I absolutely say we have to be developing everyone from day one. But if I'm looking at a succession plan, I'm thinking, gosh, I've never done this before. Where do I start? I'm looking at all of my key roles. So I would start with more the roles, not necessarily a certain age or a certain level. I would say, what are the key roles? What do we need them to be able to do? And then who do we have in those roles? How are they doing? What do they need, what do they need to be more successful? And then moving up, who, who do we have that could potentially get developed for those? And that's partially how you create your development plan for each person. Because not everybody's going to be a leader, right? We know that, but we don't know at the beginning. So we've got to be able to say, here's the path to leadership, or no, here's the path to being more of a specialist or an expert in our field. And I have paths and I have ways of helping you get from point A to point B, whatever that is for you. So how do, what you, do you determine think? how do you determine who you put on each path? Like how do you determine who has high potential with leadership capabilities? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, they have to know what it is, what leadership is. What am I saying I want? You know, so defining it for each person, I think, is really critical. And, and saying the people that are really strong in this, this work of leadership look like this for our organization. And so, first of all, I think they have to sign up for it. Secondly, I think we use assessments. We have to look at current performance, but we have to use assessments. I'm a big believer in um, knowing behavioral fit to different roles because there are different behaviors speaking that Speaking my work. language. You're yeah. speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Cognitive ability mm -hmm. is really key. Emotional intelligence. But this is, this is why it's so hard because it is complex, but it has to be objective as much as possible. And these assessments provide some objectivity in making our 
decisions about who to invest in if you're going to invest more in some individuals than others. But I think even if they, they're not um, the right fit for a leadership path, they have to be a fit for a different path. And let's tell them what that is and help them there. You said for the younger kids coming up, there's a different, you call it, I think, a delivery system for this type of development. What are the new ways that that's being done that you recommend? Well, I think it's more of what we have to stop. We have to stop doing some of the digital stuff that people are wanting bite-sized learning. And I get that. I understand that our our tolerance has has, um, narrowed a bit and what we're able to do. But I say, be careful about doing it in bite sizes because can you really get all you need that way? Self-learning is often what the digital way is. And I just think that's limited in the ability to put that into play. And so it's really about how do you get people to put the content that we've always learned and that we know is, is important for leaders to have. So for example, coaching we all need to be able to coach on a daily basis. That's never changed. That was the case in the 60s. That's the case now. But how do we get them to learn how to coach? That is by being with each other and practicing and um, going back into the field, so to speak, and using what you've learned and then coming back and saying what's worked, what's not worked. So it's more about how the programs and and the information is disseminated to people and how much of an opportunity they have to connect in with it that they're being held accountable for learning it and for putting it in to play with their people. It's more about that than the, than the delivery mechanisms necessarily, but I think lecture has to go out the window. Um, some I think is, is really difficult. Some of the university stuff is very, uh, is much less um, applicable sometimes in the, and, and, and that it's more theory. And so I think we've got to stop that sort of delivery of of the messages as well. So it's really hands-on with your peers, learning about what you need to learn about for the level that you're playing in. I think that's important too. What would be the first thing you would recommend to, uh, to, to a high potential that aspires to a leadership position? What's the first, and let's just say that, uh, their higher ups are not necessarily on board and seeing that person as, you know, as a potential leader, what should that person do on their own? Yeah, it's a great question because that, that often happens that they don't have that support. And I think it's really looking for a mentor. If you, if you can, someone who really doesn't have skin in the game and that can, and maybe has done that role in their past so that you can really understand what the role is and what it requires I think it's really important for them to be documenting what they're doing and their successes and their outcomes. A lot of employees, I think, don't think about it in terms of outcomes, but here's what my role is. And here's what, if I do it well, this is what it looks like. And then documenting that and sharing that with their leader, sharing their desires of other roles and what they think it means and what they might need and creating a development plan for themselves, which is really hard um, to figure out what do I need to be successful in that next level? And then asking for what you think you need um, and communicating as much as you can up to your, to your boss so that they can um, free up resources or not. And if they, don't, I'd say go somewhere else if you can and find that leader that will help develop you. You said that there are ripple effects for not having prepared leaders on your other, what I call it the bench, right, Lee? So it's the, if I get hit by bus theory of business, 
Um, <laughs> and also, you, you talk a lot about three in pocket too. That's yeah, I always like to have. Th- I learned this at, uh, when I worked mm. at the Ritz Carlton. You have three in the pocket. Like if, if somebody like just you know hits the lottery, and- hit the lottery, and right. with the who do you know that you would be interested in having fill that role? But um, what are some of the other hidden costs of not being ready? for any scenario like that. I think it's, I think it's the biggest risk companies have today is Mm. the um, ill-prepared leaders are going to create ill-prepared people. And if you think about it, leaders are solely responsible for making sure that that plan gets executed, whatever that is for the company. And if they can't execute it through the people they have, the company's not going to go in the direction they want to. Mm-hmm. So it's really about realizing the strategy. That's what's on the line. And if you don't do realize your strategy, your competitors will. So I think it can threaten the business. Um, so there's, there's, there's all kinds of things we think about with cost of turnover that can happen with leaders, lack of engagement, of course, um, decrease of efficiencies. That's really the highest cost, I think. And the ripple effects is ultimately the business isn't going to go grow or change in the way that it needs to, to stay viable. So in America, only about 25% of senior leaders, C-suite executives, public companies mm-hmm. are women. And about mm. three to 4% are black Americans. So what advice would you give to companies in as far as diversity and who they groom to be future leaders? Well, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this one um, because I don't know if, if you've seen it work, but I haven't seen it work very well. The, the techniques that, that companies have employed so far don't seem to be working. The numbers aren't moving. And now more women are leaving the workforce than men right now. And so we've got all kinds of added challenges. So I think this goes back to the succession discussion we were having, which is identifying those people, those three in the pocket that you talk about. I I always say three for every role, Um, recognizing who is on the bench How many of those are women? How many of those are people of color? Whatever your numbers need to be. And you at least need to know where you stand today, where you want to be, and then create a development plan for those people who you are bringing in. I mean, there's so much to it. There's there's developing those you already have to be in future positions, but it's also on your hiring practices and making sure you're getting a a full slate of people um, and that your networks are broader than what they have been because they haven't been bringing um, the diversity that we need. So it's hiring, it's then development plans for them. And it's holding leaders, again, accountable for it. We do what we measure and we're not measuring it. And then there's this whole cultural component that everyone's trying to affect, the whole bias training and inclusion. And I believe in all of that. And that's really critical. But how do you get people to change their mindset? It's not through just going through um, and having everybody go through a bias or a diversity training and then expect that it's going to change. So there's so much to it, I guess, is what I'm saying is it's a huge, complex problem, which is why we're not moving the dial. I I think leaders have to diversify their networks, you know, and I've been working hard on this myself, you know, it's like, because I look at the people who are in my network and they're mostly male, they're mostly white. And so I've been trying really hard, you know, to, you know, have more super, super talented women in my network of people that I call on when I need 
advice or something like that. And same with, same with blacks, same with Latin Americans, you know, trying really yeah. hard to do that. That gives me a much different perspective or much, I think a more comprehensive perspective of what's going on. Uh, but I yeah. also think that it make it a little bit easier that when I need a lead or something like I've got some, I, okay, I know a gal, let me call her right. up and ask her what she thinks. Right. And so you're building rapport and relationships with a variety of people, which then they can push out to their networks. I've done a lot of the same as we, we did recruiting years and years ago, and we partner with a lot of recruiters and, and, uh, and making sure that whoever you're working with to draw a pool of people are doing the same thing that you're talking about. You know, I'm connecting with groups on LinkedIn that I've never done before. Um, you know, I'm trying to just reach out and say, who else is out there? Um, but I also think it goes way back to our education system and we've you know got to be able to get a bigger pool of diverse people in the workplace prepared too so I think it's going to take a while um, because I don't know that we have if, if every business say has a uh, they would love to have 40 percent um, diversity on their senior leadership team you know we've got to then have 40% more on the level below them and the level below them and the level below them. And it, so I just think it's going to take a while. We can't make an assumption that we can make big changes like that quickly. I think it's going to take a couple, unfortunately, generations before we're going to get there. Well, if you've done nothing, Jennifer has sufficiently scared the heck out of all of you. <laughs> uh, JenniferMacken.com is the website, M-A-C-K-I-N. The Twitter is the Oliver Group, right? And your Jennifer Oliver Mackin on your LinkedIn, and how if people like to reach out to you, Jennifer, do you want to do it through the website? Yes, please, JenniferMackin.com. There's also a really great assessment that they can try on my website great. about how is your development going within your organization, um, because I don't think there's anything like that. We've got to marry the HR team with the leadership team, and everybody get aligned around what are we doing today, what should we be doing. So I have a way to give them a sense of how are we doing. So that's another reason to go to JenniferMackin.com. It's fantastic. This is good tangible tips. We appreciate it. And it's sure. nice to Thank call you, you a friend of the guys. show. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad to know you all as well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.